0: Hello, Sac State students, and welcome into a brand new episode of the State Hornet Spotlight Podcast here on StateHornet.com. I am your podcast editor, Matt the III, and today I am joined by
1: Editor-in-Chief Jordan Parker
2: and Managing Editor Magali Muñoz.
0: And today we're here to talk about the California gubernatorial recall election. Gavin Newsom could be recalled from his position as governor of California on Tuesday, September 14th, which is only five days away if you're listening to this on the day this podcast came out. And we're here to talk about what led up to this point, what we think about it, what our opinions on it are, and discuss who the recall candidates will be. So let's dive right into it. As we know, Gavin Newsom is facing a recall and I think the main point where the recall really got started was the incident at the French Laundry. And it was just such a fumble by Gavin Newsom and his advisors. What do you guys think about that? Was there an earlier point where you thought the recall really started to gain momentum?
1: Well, Mac, up to that point, I felt like, you know, the recall was a thing. You know, it was it was stirring around, you know, uh, I was driving around Sacramento. I saw those same tables with the, with the people out there with the sign-up sheets. But it was really going nowhere until that French Laundry incident. I mean, it it was like the plane was still on the ground, and it, it wasn't going to lift off the runway. But after that incident, man, it just uh, gained a head of steam, and here we are today. I think another thing
0: people are upset with Gavin Newsom about is his response to the COVID-19 pandemic. You know, Gavin was one of the first to lock down the state and really uh, – enforce you know mass mandates staying at home you know trying to keep people away from places where they could get infected with the virus and that in turn prompted a new way of life for a lot of us you know and we as students we went to zoom university for the last couple of semesters and are only now just getting back on campus and even still it's not quite the same vibe that it had before the shutdown but It really took a toll on a lot of small businesses, and especially schools for the younger kids, like grade school kids, high school kids, middle school kids. It took a big toll on them, and I think they're upset with him about that as well. How do you guys feel about that? Was he perhaps too rash in making these decisions? Has he been too flip-floppy with his decisions to reopen, shut down, reopen, shut down? Or do you think it was just just a no-win situation for him, no matter what he chose?
2: I think Gavin is in like a really unique situation. Obviously this has not happened in our lifetime and there's no like there's no book to you know make the rules on this. Like this is not like everyone says we're living in unprecedented times. Um I work for a small business, so I know the effects that it took. Do I blame him fully? No, because you have to make the best decisions for everybody and unfortunately, someone always ends up kind of losing in the situation. Do I think it also raised awareness for small businesses and the support that communities should be giving to them? Yeah. And I hate that that this was the situation that ended up happening, but he's dealing with a lot of unique situations. He is, you know, the governor of a pretty big state. Like this is not going to be the same as a governor from like Wisconsin or any other small state. Like he really has to command millions of people and that isn't always going to appease everybody. But you have to look at it from the bigger picture. He's trying to really bring down the numbers and it's not fair to compare us to anyone else when we our own state is, you know, unique in itself.
1: And I think Mac, how we have to look at it is when we first started this, you know, some eighteen, nineteen months ago, it was like what he said from the beginning was that he was gonna trust the science. And for the large part of the past eighteen to nineteen months, he did just that. And I think where you have to appreciate the job that he's done, was it perfect? No. Was any of the 50 governors' job that they've done perfect? Hell no. Because you look at states like Florida, Texas, you know, red states mainly, and, you know, they're just letting people die and, like, I mean, they don't apologize for it. But what I appreciate that Gavin has done is he's tried to save as many lives as possible. And did we have a lot of deaths? Yes. But we are also the largest state in the nation, I believe. We were going to always have a lot of deaths. And I think that's what I think a lot of people realized from the beginning. But he did his best to enact protocols to try to curb that as much as possible, rather than leave the citizens just to fend for themselves as other governors have done. You know, and he didn't look at it on a partisan basis. You know, he wasn't like, "Oh, I'm just going to save the people that voted for me, and, you know, um, I don't care about the Republicans. He cared about everyone, I think, across the state, and I think he did the best he could do up until this point.
0: I think another thing that's hurt Gavin and his image is the perception, especially from those on the right and those who ended up uh, in favor of the recall, was that they looked at Gavin as an elitist because he would lay out all of these rules, like stay home, don't interact with people outside your household— you know, for extended periods of time, always wear masks, you know, don't dine indoors unless it's with people you live with or in contact with every day. And then for an incident like the one at the French Laundry, like we mentioned before, that was a real bad image on him. And I think it's really hurt him and his image in the state of California. And it's almost certainly doomed any kind of hope he had beyond being governor of california like i know he hasn't said it publicly but i think he really wanted to set up a you know road to run for president one day you know he established himself as so anti-trump so anti-republican that he really wanted you know all of the support on the left and i think in you know incidents like the french laundry and sending his kid to a camp without masks uh, let's talk about that one in particular. Do you guys think that was a fair criticism of Gavin? Because I know a lot of people say that, you know, it's wrong to go after kids of political figures. But, I mean, the game in politics gets pretty nasty at times.
2: I think what ends up happening is that because Gavin is obviously the governor, I'm, you wouldn't say the same about a suburban mom sending their kid to a private school. But because he is who he is, he's put in an uncomfortable position like, well, I wanna protect my kids and he still has to think about that. But then you he also has to think of the angle, like, how is this going to look to my people? But everything that he does, every like as much as we don't want to bring in their families, like it is true. Like, why is his family above anybody else? Why why did kids have to go back with masks? I'm not saying that kids shouldn't go back with masks. I'm fully in support of the mask mandate and the vaccines and everything like that, but you see where he kind of didn't know how to like keep the barrier between his family and what he's willing to do with everyone else's families. Like, I think that's really what it comes down to. It's like, why can you send your kid there, but you won't make up the same rules for everyone else, like, who aren't as fortunate to be able to go to private school, so.
1: Yeah, I think, um, you know, there was a lot of buzz on social media and stuff, you know, that it's unfair to go after the kid of a politician. I think in some ways, you know, it's Republicans just grabbing at any straw they can get. Um, Do I think that, obviously I think he's made some mistakes in his public image, of course. Should he have, you know, done things better in those regards? Yes. I just think, you know, it was definitely an unfortunate situation. I don't know if I'm right or wrong on this, but I do believe after finding out that that camp that his, kid was at he did pull the kid from the camp after finding out that i believe masks were optional at the camp so which is a violation of the state policy so i mean he did pull the kid should he have done the research beforehand yes but um once again i think he got stuck in a situation where it was just bad optics and he couldn't really get himself out of it
0: What was your guys' opinion of Gavin Newsom before the coronavirus pandemic? Because, you know, he was elected back in 2018, got 61.9 percent of the vote over John Cox, who's a candidate in the recall election. And we'll talk about him and the rest of the candidates a little bit later. But, you know, it seemed like Gavin had a rock star kind of persona. And, you know, he was pretty popular with California voters Or maybe it's just because he was a Democrat in a heavy Democrat state. But did you guys have any strong opinions one way or the other about Gavin beforehand?
2: Um, Gavin was the first, um, like, election that I voted in. Like, 2018, yeah, that's when I was 18, able to vote. So I voted for him. Um, Not really knowing much. I think I definitely went off the bases, like, he's a Democrat and he's, like, the most favored in that area. But, like, the more that he was in office and just kind of, like, pre-pandemic... You know, I I agreed with a lot of that he wanted to do, like death row and like all those uh, situations that he's like kind of trying to put in practice that a lot of people don't want to talk about. It's a heavy conversation to talk about um, someone that killed someone's family and you making the big decision to not end their life as well. Like he's put in such a unique position and um, I think he's done really well so far, even in the pandemic, obviously the French laundry situation was a huge mistake and whoever allowed that to happen um, really had it out for him that day or I don't know what, but um, I think he definitely could be smarter, but he is trying to backtrack and trying to get the state back in place to the best position that he can. And I don't think that this, the one incident should represent what he has done in his year or his years of service.
1: Yeah. I think um, like Magali said, You know, I definitely I voted for Gavin Newsom. It was also my first election. I definitely voted for him just based off knowing him from when he was mayor of San Francisco when I was younger. So I kind of had an idea of who he was. I wasn't too familiar with, um, you know, any of his policies, but I have become familiar with them. And as Magali mentioned, you know, his stance on um, the death penalty. But also, you know, he does support a fair minimum wage. He supports reproductive rights for women at a time when things like that are under attack. And, you know, I don't think, I think with the coronavirus, his term as governor has kind of been impacted because obviously he's not able to accomplish the things that he wants to accomplish because on the flip side, he's... um, trying obviously to save the lives as many Californians as he can. So he doesn't really have, he hasn't really had the opportunity to achieve the agenda that he came in with, because obviously, none of us foresaw this in 2018, when he was elected. So I think at this point, it's unfair to, you know, judge him on, you know, anything, he wasn't really able to accomplish anything up until this point that he wanted to. So because of this unprecedented situation.
0: Yeah, you know, I also voted for Newsom back in 2018. You know, know, he's like any other politician that you vote for. He does some things that you like and some things that you disagree with. For me, um, we disagreed on the issue of capital punishment. But outside of that, he hasn't really done a lot before the pandemic started. He didn't really do a lot to anger me or disappoint me, really. So... I didn't really have a strong opinion of him one way or the other. And I started hearing, you know, about things to recall him back in like 2019. And I was like, they're just trying to recall him because he won. Like, I didn't really understand why the recall was happening. I know, you know, there's constant issues with uh, housing and homelessness in California. But I think that's going to be a problem for any governor to deal with, especially if one of these recall candidates ends up getting into the office. So, Let's uh, dive a little bit more into the actual recall election and the candidates who are listed to replace him. So this will be the second ever California recall to have actually made it to a ballot. The other one was in 2003 when Californians recalled Gray Davis and Arnold Schwarzenegger was installed as governor. And one of my favorite newspaper headlines of all time, Davis terminated, (laughs) I hope the we at the state Hornet have similar type of creative genius and thinking up a headline for this election, no matter who wins. But, um, yeah. So what do you, what are your guys' optics ahead of the recall? You know, we're less than a week out and I think a lot of the polls have shown that it's likely that he will remain as governor, but you know, with more Republicans estimated to vote in person, the polls could can be a little skewed. So what's your guys' optics on the situation? If you had to predict now, would you say he stays or goes?
2: Obviously, I want him to stay. I think you look at the other options on the other side of the aisle and even just some in our own party, Democrats, um, and they're not great. They're not exactly people that I would endorse or that I would, you know, trust to make those big decisions. They kind of seem like they came into this the same way it happened in 2016, like when Trump was unfortunately elected, like people just want to get their name out there and you know they don't realize the positions that they're in until they're in them and it's unfortunate that it like has come to that but I learned from 2016 that like polls are not always everything you know and you a poll could say one thing and then election night you're hearing some of the worst news possible so uh I definitely learned from that experience and I'm you know my hopes are up and I really really hope that you know California comes together and they realize that Gavin is still the best option. He is still, despite the mistakes and um, they really need to just think of he's in a unique position. He's doing the best he can. Other states are looking at him to make decisions. They're waiting for him to make those big calls and use him as the scapegoat if something goes wrong, but he is still the best option and I, I really am keeping my hopes up, you know, despite maybe hearing, um, other opinions and, uh, other controversy and things with the election coming up.
1: Yeah, I definitely think if the election was held tonight, I think he would stay in office. I think over the past couple of weeks, it has been, you know, you're seeing that kind of flip flop where two weeks ago it was like 50 to 47 and, you know, it was a slimmer margin. But now I know the data is just ever changing. I think there was a San Francisco Chronicle article where it said that, the Republican support was only at 36% now where it was at 47 just a few weeks ago. So I think it's just like, you know, Magali said, you know, in 2016, nobody thinks Donald Trump's becoming president, but all of a sudden everything just flips on election night. And, you know, even in the last presidential election, you know, Joe Biden wins states that beforehand he, people didn't think it was possible for him to win. So now you're entering this election, you know, after a couple past wacky presidential election and you're thinking, well, yeah, anything can happen and anything could still happen. But as you know, Magali was mentioning, there is nobody in this field that is ready to take on the office of governor. And I think he still is by default, the best remaining option, you know, and you start to talk about, you know, this list of candidates, I think what's happened now is, you know, 46 people, some of them just literally random, ordinary people just entering this race just to enter. And it's kind of a trend we're seeing in politics now where anybody thinks like they they could just try their hand at it. And like public office is just something anyone could succeed in because that's what Donald Trump showed them just uh, five years ago that I can just come from this outside sector and just put myself at the forefront. And, you know, you really can do it. So I think that's what you're kind of seeing now is like not qualified people uh, entering these races. You know, some of them you do look on the list; they are experienced. You know, you have your Kevin Faulkners, but then you have your people like John Cox, who's just out here to try anything. You know,
0: I'm assuming you're not a huge fan of Unleash the Beast.
1: I am not. That was a it's a funny publicity stunt, but I can't believe a live bear was actually used in a the announcement of a political campaign i mean i can't believe it
0: it was certainly off the wall i'll give john cox that and so it was also off the wall for me just thinking about how he lost three years ago in the way that he did like there wasn't even a chance for him to win once the results started coming in and he's now one of the candidates that's trying to run again Going back to the issue of the polls and predictions, you know, I'm sure a lot of editors will tell you that I was very pessimistic about the outcome of the recall as I thought, you know, I wasn't going to ignore the warning signs that were there in 2016. You know, with the election of Donald Trump, it taught me that polls aren't everything. And I was feeling the same kind of way about this recall election, especially. Once you saw polls come out in uh, early to mid August that showed it was almost a neck and neck race between yes and no on the recall vote. So I was extremely pessimistic. I'm feeling a little bit more settled right now. I think he will stay. I don't think it will be by the margin that the polls are showing because there's a thing you have to know with the polls. It's that they only talk, they only get the results of the people who want to talk like if person is not it doesn't want to talk to a pollster they can still go out and vote against the recall and i think that's something that happened in 2016 and to an extent in 2020 in the presidential election but yeah i think um ultimately he will stay but you know politics is a funny game anything can change a whole new scandal could emerge (laughs) tomorrow that we're not aware of when we're recording this podcast so you know anything can happen in politics not we won't know for sure until until Tuesday night let's dive a little bit into the list of candidates here so by far the runaway leader and if Gavin Newsom is recalled this man is going to be governor of California it's Larry Elder the conservative radio talk show host he has stormed in the polls and he's taking a double digit lead over the field and what are your guys' opinions of Larry Elder personally i'd never heard of him before the recall process started but Uh, I know Jordan has some things to say about the minimum wage (laughs) statements that Larry Elder has made. But, uh, yeah, what do you guys envision if that man becomes governor of California?
1: Well, first of all, I did not know this guy until maybe a month ago. Still don't even know him that well. But he's just made a mockery of this recall election with all these different outlandish statements he's made you know, not even the minimum wage. Let's just get to the fact that, you know, this guy, you know, a, a black guy, you know, he's on this radio show the other day talking about how slave owners that lost their slaves because they ran away should get reparations. <laughs> I mean, it's it's pretty ridiculous. And that's the, the type of person, you know, that's trying to come into office. And then, you know, he doesn't want to give people fair wages, um, no mass mandate, no vaccine mandate. I mean, he's just the worst possible person to enter office. Uh, it would be a disaster. Uh, dare I say, maybe even slightly worse than Donald Trump or maybe even on the same level of a- atrocity.
2: <laughs> yeah, I I didn't know who he was up until like a week ago because I was like, eh, it's like, you know, Gavin's going to come back. And then I start hearing Mac obviously going off. Our conversation with Mac last week was the first heated discussion in our newsroom in, you know, 18 months. So it definitely got to some interesting points, but...
0: If you haven't played the role of devil's advocate before, I highly recommend it.
2: <laughs> definitely do not stir the pot the way he did. But, you know, going back to, like, Larry Elders, even just his background, he's from a low-income community, South Central LA, like... And wants to, like, put all of these... Wants to put down low-income people, like, uh you know, immigrants and... Undocumented people and is okay with calling them aliens and illegals. And it's just like you grew up in a completely different way that should have set you up to, you know, be able to fight for these people. And you saw, you know, the effects of growing up in a community like that. How is that not something you are willing to fight for now? Like you have the option to really make California, like, you know, continue to be better. We are, you know, ahead of the game in a lot of situations and instead. By having him in office, we go back like a million steps, and he's control. He's gonna be able to maybe make some executive orders, and maybe it won't go through. Maybe he'll have a hard rest of the year, but um, you know, it still is unfortunate that this is the this is the person that people in California are like willing to put in office. Especially as diverse as we are as a state, there's just so many different backgrounds, and it's, it's a melting pot of people. So how could you want someone? that is so opposed to that in office, it just doesn't really make a lot of sense.
0: It is going to be interesting if Elder is the one to get in because he's only going to serve a term of, what, 12 or 13 months? The next uh, gubernatorial election is next year in November of 2022. So... And with a heavily Democratic Assembly and State Senate, you know, I think a lot of what he does is going to be through executive actions. And we'll see, you know, what he can do through that if he's the one that's uh, ultimately going to end up in the governor's mansion. And looking down the rest of the candidates list, if you're looking for the big name Democrat option, there isn't one. Because Gavin has that kind of support from the Democratic establishment that, No big-name Democrats have decided to run against him. However, there is a Democrat on the ballot who's polling significantly better than the rest of the candidates, and that is Kevin Paffrath. And this dude, for me, I mean, we talk about not knowing who Larry Elder was. This dude came out of nowhere. He's a YouTuber. He's only 29 years old. You know, he made his money in real estate, and... When I say he has some out-of-the-box ideas, man, (laughs) building a pipeline to Mississippi for water. He wants to use the National Guard to clear up homelessness. He wants to eliminate homelessness within the first 60 days of his governorship should he win. And, you know, he said some things that, you know, could work, like the future schools. I kind of like that idea of combining high school, college, and trade schools into one. But, yeah, how would you feel about if this guy became governor? What are the optics that you're getting from him?
1: Yeah, I mean, this this real estate broker here, 29 years old. I mean, like you said, Mac, he did make some good points, you know, with the future schools and stuff like that. But when you're talking about complex issues like homelessness that no politician has ever been able to solve, even outside of this state, But when you're talking about this state, they've tried for decades, and I think it's a a challenging issue to tackle for any person. And I think if you went down the list of former governors and said, there's an option that allows you to get rid of this problem in 60 days, we would have taken it years ago. So I think for him to just sit here and say his plan will for sure work is, I think, an oversight by him. And, you know, I mean, it's just... It's pretty ridiculous.
2: Yeah, I think ideas like that are great in spirit. You know, the trying to solve homelessness obviously, it's we see it a lot in Sacramento. Um, it, it is a very big issue, but you're you also have to remember like some of these people want to stay in the locations that they're in. If you're gonna completely uproot them and put them somewhere and tell them that they have to stay there and they cannot go back to the streets. Well, now you're just forcing people to do things that they don't want. Now that's not free will. And do I say that I want them on the streets? Obviously, I would love them in a safe environment. But at the same time, it's like there's a bigger issue, just more than they don't have a place to eat or a place to like, shower and to sleep. I think it becomes down like goes down to like a a bigger rooted issue. And It's just he has very surface level ideas and very surface level plans for it. And that's not what this office is, you know, meant for. You got to really execute these things because every decision that you make is crucial to someone's life. And I don't know, I don't think he fully understands as a YouTuber what that job is going to entail. I think for 29 years old, you're not experienced enough to really be in this office and represent the people the way that they should be represented.
1: Yeah. And, and while we're sitting here talking about Kevin, I just forgot, you know, I got a text from his campaign a few weeks ago, you know, saying that, you know, no matter whether I was voting yes or no on the recall, you know, vote for a JFK style Democrat. And I just want to address that because I did text back and was like, do you even know what a JFK style Democrat is? But this guy wasn't even alive with JFK, wasn't even close to being alive with JFK. Was in office, and I don't think any politician today would understand what a JFK style Democrat is, and certainly not this dude because he's on his website claiming that he's number one in the polls out of all candidates to replace Newsom. I don't understand, I don't know if he doesn't know how to read the polls, but he's definitely not number one. You know, he may be number two, but he's still a ways away from Elder, so I just think that this guy he has no. I don't think he knows what he's trying to get himself into. And I think as, uh, you know, one of my professors alluded to earlier today, you know, he may not even want governor, but, you know, he's just taking a shot at it. If he, if he wins, you know, he's hit the lottery.
0: You know, I think uh, referencing that poll thing, I think there was one poll that showed Paffrath in the lead, and that's kind of what catapulted him further up a lot of uh voters you know list of candidates and i think that's why you're seeing him tout that he's number one in the polls going off that specific poll i believe going back to the the democrats what do you think of their idea to first of all to not run a candidate of name recognition but also their official position on the recall is to vote no on question one which is to recall gavin newsom and then to leave the second part blank don't vote for anybody because there's no suitable candidates on the ballot. Is that a winning strategy? I know they've. I know it's been debated since uh, the failed experiment of vote no on the recall, but vote yes on Cruz Bustamante in two thousand three. So is this trying to avoid that specific scenario? Do you guys think that's a winning strategy?
2: I think maybe Gavin was trying to save his ass a little bit and hoping that if he didn't, you know, endorse someone else then he wouldn't have to worry about another party member taking his position but I think right now it's coming back to like bite him in the ass because now you have someone like Larry Elder on the other side who is gaining a lot of traction and like we've said he he will win if Gavin loses next week and um I think he failed on that and I'm not saying he should have fully endorsed someone but at least you know nudge someone that Should he get recalled? Think of all the best, you know, fallback options. What's your option B, C, D? Like you endorse nobody and now we're stuck with a Republican. So you really didn't set your state up for winning at all because now if he loses, we're kind of stuck between a rock and a hard place.
1: I mean, I think the way you have to look at it is, you know, he could have, endorsed or encouraged somebody to get into the race that was a notable democrat that could potentially you know replace him should it go you know against his his side but what i think we do also have to look at you know when gray davis was recalled and encouraged his lieutenant governor to get into the race is one, it do- it may send a message of, like, stupidity that, you know, he's not setting up a backup plan for the state. But on the other side, you know, putting that other Democrat into the race maybe will confuse the voters a little bit because it's like, well, do I replace Governor Newsom with this other person that, I mean, and let's just say... Because, you know, if he encouraged, say, for example, he encouraged his lieutenant governor, he encouraged her to get into the race this time. She's not really a notable Democrat, you know, like nobody, like I would vote for her as a backup option, but like she's not really a a candidate that you would vote for if she was running for governor during a normal year. So I think what you've, you've set up here is, you know, maybe Gavin's looking at this when Everything started, you know, looking like there was going to be a recall. Maybe he's looking at it like, well, in 2003, they tried that other method and it didn't work. So how about I try it my way? And, you know, it's looking like that it's probably going to succeed. Once again, polls aren't everything, but if it does succeed, you know, maybe tip your hat off to him because maybe it does confuse some of the voters. If he were to, you know, encourage another candidate to to get into the race
0: and looking down the rest of the candidate list I'm only going to go over the notables that have been polling at around 5-3% to 3%, and that is John Cox who ran and lost in 2018 Kevin Falconer who was longtime mayor of San Diego and Kevin Kylie, who's seen as one of the rising stars of the Republican Party at least here in California and you know they've kind of all fallen backwards they've been kind of overshadowed by I think elders monumental rise in the polls so um i don't really think they have a chance at being governor it would take a snowball's chance for them to wind up in the governor's mansion come tuesday that's just about going to do it for this episode of state hornet spotlight podcast the editor roundtable on the california recall election guys do you have uh, any closing statements you want to say
1: vote no on the recall next tuesday september 14th please vote no uh
2: check out the rest of our coverage uh, regardless of who wins or who loses we are really getting in depth with this and we hope that you guys uh really really make the best decision for this uh state and we unite and we realize what the bigger issues are and that gavin is the one to help us get through it all
0: And I'll say as a reminder, these opinions expressed on this podcast are our own, and they do not reflect the rest of the State Hornet. So if you have anything you would like to say, say it to us, don't hold it against the rest of the paper. And as I said, I think that's going to do it for this episode of State Hornet Spotlight Podcast. Uh, Jordan and Magali, thank you for joining me and talking about this historic recall election. Thank you, Mac. Thank you. If you've enjoyed this podcast, please go check out all the other podcasts and stories on StateHornet.com. And we'll see you next time.